Good morning and welcome to First Chapter. This is Miss McNinch. I am your GTT teacher here at Gold Hill. And I'm going to be sharing with you the first chapter from a book called The Swap. The Swap was formerly a South Carolina junior um, book nominee. It is written by Megan Schultz. So the author and I both share first names. And the book has been made into a Disney Channel original movie as well. The book is available in the library as well as on Swora, where um, I will be reading from. So the chapter one is told from Ellie, one of the characters' point of view. It's sunny and it's summer. And the three of us are sitting on the scratchy cement edge of the Riverside Swim Club pool, dangling our feet into the deep end. And by the three of us, I mean me, Ellie O'Brien, Sassy Gaines, my formerly best friend since forever, and Aspen Bishop, who moved here from California one month ago and apparently has taken my place. If you'd like to picture us, let me tell you this. Sassy and Aspen are side by side, dressed in pop orange string bikinis and crisscross backs, matchy-matchy as they like to say. Long, sleek, and shiny yellow blonde hair framing their faces. They could pass for sisters. Perfect features, perfectly straight teeth, pale pink glossy lips glimmering in the sunshine. In case you were wondering, my dark red hair is wet and slicked back into a ponytail. I have a little bit of sunblock on my nose. I'm wearing my black front zip short sleeve Roxy Surfer Girl half wetsuit. My mom got it for me. I love it so much. So Ellie, Sassy flutter kicks her pink toenail spraying water into the air. What's going on with that one piece? She giggles. Is that like sporty chic? They're both looking at me, leaning back on their arms, smiling. Aspen raises an eyebrow. Are you like planning on riding some waves in your boy shorts? The two of them make the same face and burst out laughing. I can feel my cheeks getting redder and redder. Uh, um, well, I begin, then stop. I force myself to smile. I feel my heart kind of drop. Aspen whispers something into Sass's ear and they both instantly giggle. Um, no offense, but Sassy stares at me and shakes her head. We're going into seventh grade. There are some basic rules, duh. Some people seriously need to work on their style. Aspen chimes in. Ellie, she begins pausing to cringe. Not to be rude or anything, but your freckles are like seriously out of control. Maybe you should think about using just a little bit of foundation or concealer. Totally, Sassy agrees. But don't get the cheap, cakey kind that clogs your pores. No, ew, that would be gross. Um, yeah, welcome to my life. More? Sure. Sassy. Um, no offense, but guys, seriously, wheelie backpacks at the pool is so not okay. Aspen. Not to be rude or anything, but why is that girl looking at me? I mean, sorry, I'm hotter than you, okay? It doesn't feel good to listen, even when it's not about you. I'm getting the worst feeling inside. I stare ahead across the pool and watch the prince do a backflip off the diving board. The prince is with a whole mess of other boys, but he's the only one with completely wild, dark, wavy hair and tie-dye blue eyes. He is definitely the only one with six-pack abs. The prince, as Sassy calls him, is Jack Malloy, and Jack Malloy is one year older than we are, and Jack Malloy is in eighth grade, and Jack Malloy is pretty much the most popular boy at Thatcher Middle School. He is handsome and mysteriously quiet and good at everything, including but not limited to 
every sport he plays and or just looking cute and not saying a word. Yeah, he does that very well too. Fact, Sassy is in love with Jack Malloy, like seriously obsessed, and she's not shy about letting everyone know it. She went all boy crazy at the beginning of the summer. It's kind of annoying and kind of weird. When the prince is anywhere near, near us, she starts acting all different and like literally bats her eyelashes and acts suddenly super sweet and super fake. As soon as he's out of hearing range, she goes right back to being the queen of mean. The student used to bug me as much, but for some reason, ever since Aspen moved here at the beginning of the summer, the mean stuff Sassy says has started getting meaner. She usually blurts something out, then rolls her eyes and laughs really, really loud. We're just joking, Ellie she'll say afterwards, we're just messing around. As I tell you this, I know it sounds so stupid that I'm even friends with her, that I actually desperately want her to like me again. I do, I really do, but that's sassy. She is just that type of girl who you just want to like you. Do you know what I mean? You want her to like you and put her big prettiest girl in the school stamp of approval right across your forehead so everybody else can see. You were liked, you were loved, you were cool. Sassy Gaines says so. But it is on this day, today, under the hot summer sun in the blue sky and right here at the pool as the three of us watch, but are pretending not to watch, shirtless six pack Jack. I have no idea how hot I am Malloy that Sassy says this. Ellie, she starts. She looks at me, smiling, running her fingers through her loose hair and tossing her head back. It's not that big a deal. There's just an incredibly awkward time in life where your nose is too big for your face and you happen to be in it. I feel the tears coming from deep inside, starting in my stomach, charging up my throat. I swallow hard. I swear, I wish right this second that I could just disappear or that I could click my bare ankles like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz and vanish into thin air. I drop my eyes and stare into the crystal clear water. I imagine myself plunking in feet first, holding my breath, sinking and sitting cross-legged at the bottom. Sassy and I used to do that all the time in this very pool for about a billion summers. Except I don't jump in and I don't disappear. I'm here and I have the worst feeling wash over me. Oh my gosh, Ellie, Sassy exclaims, looking me up and down and scratching up her nose. I look back at her, back at her like, what? Oh my gosh! Both Sassy and Aspen fall back onto their shared beach towel, their faces to the sky, laughing so hard they can barely speak. Honestly, Ellie, Sassy cries, you're... She stops. She's pointing down. She can't talk. She's giggling so hard. Oh my gosh, stop! Aspen wipes the tears coming out of her eyes, careful to keep her black mascara from smudging. My whole entire body just feels like it's shutting down. The only thing I want to do is leave, but I can't even get up. I can't even move. I don't say a word. I don't know what to do. I look up in the distance across the crowded pool. The prince, his blue shorts hanging low on his hips, leaping off the board, effortlessly tucking into a somersault with two and a half twists, a ball of muscle flying through the air, entering the water with barely a splash. A second later, he pops back up, whipping his wet, dark hair out of his eyes, flashing a quiet smile, smile at his fans. The boys on the side are just going nuts. Dude, you killed it, man. I hear one shout. And I'm thinking how boys are so lucky they don't have to deal with this stuff when... Ellie, I hear. I look back at Sassy and brace myself. Oh my God, she shrieks. I've honestly never laughed so hard. I am dying. Oh my God. 
I can feel everyone watching now. Even the boys across the pool look up at us. Ellie, your legs! Sassy squeals in an even louder voice, snorting back giggles. Then she finally spits it out. Orangutan man legs! Wait, what? I force a smile and glance down. I never really noticed it before. Soft red hair growing out of my legs. My head just, like, totally becomes hot. What am I even supposed to say? I can barely breathe. I look at Sassy, rolling on her towel in her tiny string bikini, holding her flat stomach as if her muscles hurt from laughing. I sort of fake laugh too. I play along. I mean, what else can I do? That's just how she is. She has that effect on people. When Sassy is talking, she doesn't really care how you feel. She just says rude things to your face, and it's sort of an expected fact that for some reason, probably because she is so pretty and popular, and she can go up and talk to any boy in the entire school, you sit there and take it. But inside, between you and me, laughing actually makes me feel even worse. Because there isn't really anything funny about being insulted by your best friend since kindergarten, who has apparently decided you aren't her best friend anymore, two days before the start of seventh grade. Nothing really funny about it at all. And that is the end of the first chapter. Chapter two is told by the point of view of Jack. Hope you enjoy reading the book. Stick around for some bonus material on this episode of First Chapter Flex. We've asked Mr. Thrasher to read Chapter 2 for Jack. Don't forget, if you like this book and you want to check it out, you can go to Sora or the Media Center or Mrs. Harm's office. Yes, sir, I say. I'm talking to my father, and this is how you have to talk to my father. Yes, sir, what, he asked. Yes, sir, I understand. I answer, try not to look at him, but trying to seem like I am, because you can't really get away with no eye contact from talking with the captain. I answer with a quick glance, but keep my eyes straight ahead, staring through the windshield of the truck into the glare of the oncoming headlights in the pitch black darkness. We're on our way to hockey. I play year-round. I'm on the Boston Junior Bruins. I made the team last April. I'm the first eighth grader in, to ever make the roster, the youngest player in franchise history. It's pretty unbelievable. Our first game is Monday night. I have a lot to prove. I have to compete in, for every shift of every game. I can't take a minute off. I don't want anyone to think I haven't earned my spot, that I got here just because of who my brothers are. I always have to prove myself. It's about um, battling. I go 100%, 100% of the time. If you really want something, working hard um, for it shouldn't ever be a problem. My dad isn't speaking. He hasn't said anything in at least 10 miles of driving through the dark. In the captain's world, this means my answer was not acceptable. I need to try again. I will be more respectful of your time by being on time, I say. I try to remember what it is he's been lecturing to me about, what he told me I needed to fix, what I did wrong. I honestly don't really know what I did this time. He was in a bad mood before I even tossed my hockey bag in the back of his truck and hopped into the front seat beside him. Let me tell you, there's nothing worse than when my dad gives you the silent treatment. Even though it's dark, I can feel his eyes on me. I search my brain for the right words. I'm sorry? I try again. Nothing. The captain reaches for the radio and turns it on. 
He likes classical music. I think it calms him down. Jack, I thought my dad finally speaks. I don't want to hear. I'm sorry. It's inexcusable behavior. I won't tolerate it. How many times do I have to tell you actions speak louder than words? If you want to be a man, you need to get things done. You need to be accountable. He looks over at me. What I want to say is nothing I do is ever good enough. But of course, I don't say that. I'm not crazy. Jack? My dad sounds mad. Jack, he repeats. I have been, you, have you not been listening to anything I've said? Exactly. I think to myself, but obviously don't say, because I value my life and I don't want my dad to pull the truck over and chew me out for the next 15 minutes. Instead, I just keep my mouth shut and think about how much fun I have today. And today was one of the last days of summer and it was perfect. Me, Owen, Sammy, Demarius, Dominic, Braden, Trey, we just chilled at the pool all day and swam and did crazy backflips off the diving board and ate nothing but hot dogs and greasy french fries from the snack bar. The night before, we were all at Owen's for a sleepover and played video games and uh, on his 68 flat screen TV and in his man cave basement paradise. Now summer's over. I pressed my head up against the truck's window and closed my eyes. I just try and like breathe and not fight with the captain. Not, not say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Not screw up. School is going to start in two days, and if I'm not careful, my dad might yank me out of Thatcher and make me go to St. Joe's. St. Joe is where all three of my older brothers go, and at St. Joe's, you have to wear a collared dress shirt, striped necktie, and navy blue blazer. No jeans, no girls, no thanks. The only reason the captain is letting me go to Thatcher is because it fits better with my hockey schedule. No one loves playing hockey as much as I do. Hockey is the one thing the captain and I agree on. Hockey is my life. My brothers and I play, all play. It's just how it is. We all got handed a stick when we were like two years old. As soon as we could walk, I was put up on skates, pulling my dad on the ice and an inner two tire around my waist. All three of my brothers have already committed to Boston College. I've always been the youngest on the team because my dad wants me to work harder and get better and tougher. There's nothing I'd rather do than play hockey the rest of my life. And there is the, it is a plan. I write it down every single night only after I complete exactly 200 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, and recite a prayer St. Sebastian seven times. This is what I do. This is who I am. I write it in the red cover spiral notebook I keep tucked under my mattress. My mom told me to do it. She said, if you believe it, you can achieve it. She told me to write down my goals, and I have ever since. I write the same three every single night. One play for Boston College. Two, get drafted in the first round of the NHL. Three, sign an NHL contract. And you might think it's weird to have a secret notebook filled with the same three sentences written down every day since I was 10 years old, but whatever. It's my dream and I don't really give a crap what anyone thinks, I, um, I'm weird about it. I've worked my whole life to take the next step. I'm still young, I still have a lot of work to do, when I go to bed, I see myself signing my letter of intent to play for Boston College. I see myself getting drafted, slipping an NHL jersey over my head. I see myself doing everything. In my mind, I've already done it. I just have to go out and do it. 
Put in the work, be unstoppable. My dad tells me this all the time. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching.